I got two things to say. USC is a championship team in 2023, and they're going to go undefeated. You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Culkin, and thank you for making Locked On USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching me on YouTube or wherever you're going to download your podcast, we are free. I appreciate your support. I really do, even all those who would disagree with me. You can show your appreciation every time you watch this show. If you haven't become a subscriber yet, become one. It's easy. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. When you're watching, hit that thumbs up. That sends this show to a whole nother level. And I don't want you to miss an episode. Hit that bell notification button five times a week. So, look, we're three practices in. And I'm, I'm already convinced USC has the right pieces to bring home national championship number 12. I, and I get it. Look, everyone agrees that schedule this year, it's backloaded. It's going to be brutal, those final six games. But is it? I, cause I think it's more than manageable. We've gone over the schedule before. Uh, I'm not going to break down every game on this episode. There, there's two games everyone that I think everyone pretty much is, agrees. The concern, the two road games, South Bend and in Eugene later in the year against Oregon. Everyone saw what USC was able to do to Notre Dame last year. Okay, That streak in South Bend, it ends this year. Going from year one to year two, that's when you see the biggest growth in a team when a new head coach takes over, when the staff takes over. We saw what USC did in year one. Expect a big jump into year two. So as prolific as that offense was, it's going to be even better. And we already know the defense has nowhere to go but up. And what's what's the really? I'm going to ask everybody. What's the concern about Oregon? What am I missing here other than it's a road game? I mean, why is everybody so concerned? Their defense was just as crappy as USC's last year. Ask any Duck fan. The honest ones, they'll agree. I mean, go look at the numbers. USC was behind them, but the difference could fit between my thumb and forefinger that I'm rubbing together right now. There wasn't much. And, uh, you know, when I look at what was done during the offseason, Oregon did not bring in the amount of uh, talent through the transfer portal on defense that USC did. Not even close. Now, is... Washington, are they capable of rolling up points later in the year when they come to L.A.? Yes, absolutely. So was USC. And at that time, there's just going to be way too much on the line with the uh, playoffs in sight. I, I don't anticipate USC losing that game at home. Anything can happen. Here's what everyone just needs to understand. As long as Caleb Williams stays healthy, upright, 
the offense is going to do its thing, and they're going to score a lot of points. No one's going, no one's denying that. The concern was okay, and I even raised the raised the concern about the offensive line. They needed, you know, to replace the experience that that they lost from last season. Okay, done. All they did was go out and get. They actually had four guys, and when one guy decided he didn't want to play football this year, they went out and replaced him. So they're bringing in three guys with experience that were very highly sought after, and they chose USC. Michael Tarquin, offensive tackle from University of Florida, looks like he's going to play right tackle. Jared Kingston, who played tackle and guard at Washington State, he's going to play one of the guard spots at USC, whether left or the right side. And then Emmanuel Pregnon, uh, he's going to play, again, one of those interior alignment spots, left or right guard. And we know that Jonah Monheim, he's getting his work in at left tackle this year. Justin Dietrich, those guys are locked in. Justin is your starting center. Now, I'm, I'm assuming that those guys I talked about who came in through the transfer portal are going to be starters. Or they're going to play a significant role because Gino Quinones, he started last year for a couple games. Mason Murphy started. Um, and then you've got guys like Cooper Lovelace and Elijah Page who are either going to, look, I don't know if those two, those final, those last two guys are going to start, uh, but I have a feeling they're going to be part of the two deep. So then you've got, what, eight, nine guys at a minimum that Lincoln Riley and Josh Henson can rely on as far as the offensive line. <clears throat> at running back, how much of an impact did Travis Dye make last year? You can't even quantify it. I mean, he was good. And he was really good when he was on the field. And he was good enough to get, you know, five yards pretty much every time he carried the ball. And he could probably get up to 30 on any given run. But he wasn't going to take it to the house. He didn't have that breakaway speed. Marshawn Lloyd does. He's that big shot playmaker that USC was missing in the running game last year. He can take it the distance. And let's just be, look, the wide receiver position, it's second to no one in the country. As far as the defense, this is where everybody is raising their eyebrow. Like, Mark, what are you talking about? They're going to go undefeated. Well, let me explain to you why I feel this way. Done it before, I'll go again. This is the first time that I've made the declaration they won't lose a game. Depth was the issue on defense last year. Yes, so was tackling. But that was a byproduct of depth and being tired especially as the season wore down, uh, wore, along, wore on. So, you know, if some people want to say, no, 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 Mark, tackling was bad at the beginning of the season too. Okay. Well, was that because they were having poor practice habits? Or was it because they were worn down early in the year and they had to preserve the, the bodies that they had healthy enough to practice? See, these are the type of, so some of the questions that uh, I would be able to get answered for you if I was watching a little bit more practice. But I digress, because I don't want to be called a whiner for spending two and a half minutes talking about it. Anywho, I'll come back to that on Friday in my rant. Stay tuned. Here's the thing. When you don't have the depth on your roster, when the number one goes down, the backup is going to step up and play, which is great. That's fine. That's their role. 
but the backups backup now have to step up. There's a reason they're that far down in the rotation. Depth across the board is not going it, it just it's not going to put Essie's defense in 2023 in the in those late game I got to catch my breath mode. Look, when you bring in a, a, a Keon Bars, a Jack Sullivan, an Anthony Lucas, and a Bear Alexander, and a Mason Cobb, you're not playing for second place. These are the holes that needed to be filled. And USC, look, they made an expensive investment in the offseason. And they need to, and the return on that investment, it's got to be more than just the playoffs. The playoffs are the minimum. This is why, as you can see on today's rundown, first segment, uh, this is their road to number 12. Those are the two games. I'm not worried about Utah in L.A. I'm not worried about Washington in L.A. And I'm certainly not worried about UCLA at the Coliseum. Just not. not. Those two games, Oregon and Notre Dame. And I explained to you why they really shouldn't be that big of an issue. Speaking of expensive, should USC change their NIL philosophy? We're going to talk about that in the next segment. These days, though, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. And that's why you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for them for your team faster and for free and look it's easy to use linkedin to find a job it's also easy to create a free job posting on linkedin jobs once you add your job listing you're then going to add that purple hashtag hiring frame to your linkedin profile and that's going to spread the word that you're hiring linkedin provides you simple tools like screening questions and that's going to make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experiences so you can quickly prioritize who you want to interview as well as hire. Recruiting the right person for your team means a better product. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com forward slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com forward slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions will apply. Before we, uh, I ended that first segment, I asked, should USC change their name, image, likeness policy as far as how, as it relates to recruiting? Uh, USC has a philosophy where they don't want to pay high school recruits to play at USC. I, and when you think about it, that's what USC got in trouble for. They were accused of pay for play. We know that wasn't the case. Anyway, look, there are always going to be a few high school recruits that are going to command, you know, that higher, the highest bidder uh, type of recruiting scenario. Um, but, you know, look, how did that work out for Texas A&M? They thought, hey, you know what? We're going to go all in. If you're a 
If you're a four or five star elite recruit and everybody wants you, if Alabama wants you, if Georgia wants you, if LSU wants you, if anybody in the SEC wants you, we're going to buy you. Right. That greatest recruiting class that was ever assembled, how'd that work out? This is why USC has their philosophy. So I guess this is my question. This is the question that USC, I guess, is how they look at things. Is it really, is it a USC issue? Or are the recruits, you know, who want to get paid? Is that the issue? USC operates differently with their NIL. I think everyone would agree. As of now, um, they don't like to offer high school kids any type of guaranteed deal. They will they'll say, hey, you know, this is what we can do for you. But they're not putting anything in writing. Uh, and believe it or not, you know, schools that before NIL <laughs> might have done things differently, uh, schools like Georgia and Alabama, they're not they're not really overly aggressive with NIL with the high school recruits either. Uh, and they don't have to be. So is USC taking themselves out of the recruiting game? Or are the recruits, you know, are they vetting themselves that getting paid early is better than working and earning it? As I said, you know, schools like Alabama and Georgia, they don't have to be super aggressive out of the box with NIL because they're winning. You know, and players just want to go play for those programs so they can pick who they want. They've got a, a bigger pool to choose from. Does USC um, putting themselves, you know, in, in a blow-up pool, in a kiddie pool, when they uh, say, you know what, we're not paying? And look, we already know the SEC does things differently anyway. But, you know, I, I'm starting to wonder now, though, um, if Alabama is going to start to go back to their old ways. And here's why. Auburn, their rival, they've opened up their NIL checkbook recently, and they're flipping everyone right now. And I'm talking about some of Alabama's best guys. Uh, and, and I use Auburn as my first example, but we know out west, if there's no Phil Knight, there aren't that many recruits looking at Oregon or their gazillion uniform combinations. That's just, that's just true. You know, recruits will tell you that. Um, well, they might not say it publicly, but they'll tell you behind the scenes, yeah, you know, we're going to show them what they're going to do. But I know USC was fairly aggressive with their NIL program with, with Kingston Viliamuasa and a few other players. But Notre Dame, they had to go, I mean, they literally, they got down on their knees <laughs> uh, with theirs. And um, that's a program that typically doesn't play the NIL game. It's just, they, USC and Notre Dame typically have a similar philosophy. But they wanted KVA that badly. So would you, recruiting fans, USC fans, would you prefer USC to just play the cash register game and say, all right, write down a number. We'll see if we can match it. Or do you prefer them just, you know, sticking with the status quo and then, you know, 
let's, they're, they're waiting around to see what the NI, what the actual NI rules will be to kind of sort everything out. You know, this is one way of looking at it, and I, 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 and I think there's some validity to this. If you're a 17, 18-year-old, and you've got a nice ride, I'm talking, you know, Mercedes, BMW, Tesla, and all of a sudden you've got a you know, high five-figure, maybe a six-figure checking account, savings account, bank account. How motivated are you? And this is why I, I don't think Riley is going to change. They're looking for, they, they want the talent, don't get me wrong, but it's character first. And the transfer portal, it's paying out a high, the odds of winning out of the transfer portal, they pay higher. Much higher than a high school recruit that may have, they may have peaked in high school. Or, you know, they might have been overrated to begin with. But that's a whole nother argument because if that's the case, then doesn't that kind of fall back on the whole evaluation process during the recruitment? Of course it does. So, again, I, I don't want to belabor this whole point. I, I know a lot of USC fans are a little disappointed with July right now. June was really productive getting commitments. And I, I think USC was kind of hoping... And I know the fans were hoping that July would produce maybe not as many numbers, but, you know, the guys that they were really after, they struck out. Taylor Tatum, King, Kingston Viliamuasa, those two in particular. So, I don't know. Will USC maybe look back when they... As, as they keep going with the 2024 class, will they reevaluate this process, stick with it this year, or will they reevaluate it for the 2025 class? Because there's still some guys out there that USC wants and needs, locally as well as nationally. But again, winning cures all. USC gets to the playoffs this year, and they win number 12, that 12th national championship. I think those recruits that are hoping to get paid, they might set that aside and say, um, we're ready to come to USC now. You show, we know what, what USC is capable of. And once USC starts winning, that's a really hard thing to stop, especially if you saw what happened during the Pete Carroll era. Once that ball's rolling, <laughs> it's gaining momentum, it's hard to stop. This is why NIL and USC in the same sentence scares the bejesus out of the rest of the country because of their unfair advantages. And if you're watching USC right now, they're selling the hell out of it. I mean, go check out their social media, what they're doing. Pretty impressive. It's been literally less than two weeks since Pac-12 Media Day. And what? If you're watching this episode of Locked on USC, Wednesday, hump day. It was 11 days ago when 
Commissioner George Klyovkov said, the longer we wait for the media deal, the better our options get, end quote. Well, we're going to have a little fun in this third segment of the show. The uh, pac dead. And um, we need to come up with some headstones. The reason the conference is in the, is in the position they're in right now on life support, it goes back to Larry Scott selling the Pac-12 network and all the subscribers that they were going to get that those cable platforms and satellite companies like DirecTV were going to pick up on. Mm-hmm. Well, Larry, basically what Larry Scott was selling was we own the Pac-12 network and we're, this is how much revenue we can hit based on low, medium, and high subscriber projections. That never happened. DirecTV never brought on the Pac-12 network. Other, uh, other you know, cable and you know, subscriber platforms also had no interest in the Pac-12 network. Thus, those subscriber numbers that Larry Scott sold never materialized. George Klyovkov has the audacity to try and sell a 2.0 version of the same thing, this time using streaming rights, Apple TV, and barely any mention of a network affiliation. The Pac-12 nationally, they already have a hard time selling it as it is. The conference, I mean, from I've talked about the perception of the optics. USC has to work twice as hard to prove that their their an 11-1 season is just as good as Florida's 11-1 season in 2008. We know we know what happened. USC loses on the road. Florida loses the same weekend at home. USC loses to Oregon State. Florida loses to Mississippi State. Oregon State, Mississippi State have the same identical records at the end of the year. Meanwhile, Florida's playing in the championship game against Oklahoma. USC's playing in the Rose Bowl beating another Big Ten team. So, look, Pac-12 fans, they might subscribe to Apple TV, but are the casual football fan or, or anybody from the SEC, East Coast, Midwest, are, are, are they going to subscribe to Apple TV to watch Pac-12 football without USC, without UCLA? Colorado's the latest to leave. The Pac-12 brand, it's just going to continue to die due to a lack of exposure if that's the best deal they can get. I mean, they held a meeting on Tuesday and the powers that be requested another meeting. In other words, nothing happened. Because nobody that was present for the meeting, the nine Pac-12 schools that are still part of the Pac-9, Pac-West, whatever they're going to be called, um, no one liked what they heard. The number is going to be somewhere between 20 to 25 million per school. Are you kidding? I said on yesterday's episode of Locked on USC, in college, in the college football world, that's living below the poverty level. That's food stamps. But again, George Klyovkov, he's trying to sell. If the 
if those Apple TV subscriptions sell, then the numbers are going to get better. I pointed out, Pac-12 guys might buy. But what about the rest of the country? So, because no one liked what they heard, and because they're extending it another day, asking for another meeting, anticipate the University of Arizona to say something soon. They're gone. I, I don't see them sticking around. They're taking their basketball program and their football program to the Big 12, and they're going to make that the power conference when it comes to basketball. And that's a big money maker. Don't get me wrong. And they're going to get a lot more exposure playing football in the Big 12 conference than they will sticking around in what's left of the Pac-12. And once that happens, once U of A makes their announcement, the other dominoes are going to fall. The Pac-12 is dead. So what should its headstone be? Let's have a little fun here. Make light of the situation. I know I shouldn't, but I'm going to do it anyways. The Pac-12 Conference was once known as the Conference of Champions. We remember history and shall never forget. That's a pretty fitting epitaph. What about Stanford? What should we put on their headstone? I think this is going to be written in Latin and it's going to read, it's going to say, if you can read this, you're admitted. How about Cal? What should they put? For, for those history gut buffs and for fans of the Pac-12 or fans who around the country who aren't aware of this, and I have some of those out there. I, I know I got a Tulane fan. I got an Oklahoma fan. Let me know in the comment section who you're, which team you're a fan of. Did you know that the Cal Berkeley Bears have not played in the Rose Bowl? Well, they've played the Bruins in the Rose Bowl, but they haven't played as a Rose Bowl representative since the Dwight D. Eisenhower administration. So here's what I would do. I would literally put their headstone somewhere inside the Rose Bowl. And the epitaph would read, finally, peace at last. There's a little double, little double entendre there because, you know, peace, love, and understanding up there in the whole Berkeley thing. You get it. Anyways, what about Wazoo? Um, I don't think they, they want a headstone. You know what would be perfect? Yeah, you're thinking the same thing I'm thinking. Just put their flag up so every day feels like an ESPN game day. It would be, it's perfect. It's appropriate. What about UW? Again, no headstone. I think they would probably want to be cremated and then have their ashes spread along the lake. That would be fitting. Or they can stuff the husky. Keep that somewhere. I think, wasn't it Roy Rogers? Didn't he stuff his horse? <laughs> a little creepy. Oregon State. I, I'm going to play a little, a little play on the words here. Quote, damn, the beaver died too young. What about Oregon? Hey, at least we look good. I'm just shooting from the hip here. The Sun Devils, 
look, they ain't getting into heaven. Well, they're going to burn in hell well after they're cremated. Again, no headstone. The Wildcats, we were a hoop school anyways, and we're better than UCLA, end quote. What about Colorado? No. That is going to be another cremation. Um, Ralphie's getting cooked. Period. And then he's going to get served. Utah, the final team. Hey, we beat USC two times in a row. That's all we did while we were there. There it is. The Pac-12, as you know it, may they rest in peace. What do you think? Tell me. Send me in some of your thoughts on that. I'll be back with another episode of Locked on USC tomorrow. And I will have another practice report. Because, hey, the media's back. We'll see what we're able to what we're either what we're able to capture in our time that we're out there. So until that next episode of Locked on USC, everyone, you know what to do.